Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I am so glad to be with you each day this week. We do not podcast every day. Our rhythm has been three days a week. We have thousands of archives. One of the things we're talking about doing um, with the uh, newest technological changes, which are in process and on hold right now due to our confinement, is having all of, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, all of the thousands of shows put through a technological program, a computer-driven, computer-driven program that will convert every word to a transcription and we can download them and they don't even take up that much space. Who knew? One thing I know is that once that's done, I'll be quite satisfied because I've had a lot of people say to me, how do we get those archives? And when you, you know, they don't say kick off, but when I die, what will happen to all of them? Because they're my properties. They're the ministry's properties. So I kind of like the idea, even if that means that there are three binders with front back pages of paper. It'd be nice to have everything reduced to that size, plus a copy of my books. So today, we are together this week, every day. This is, as I told you last time, my very favorite days of the year. My very, very favorite days of the year. I wake up like a small child every morning, anticipating what my time with the Lord will be, what passages I'm reading as I journey with him thousands of years later in this week that began on Palm Sunday with Jesus coming over the hill. Now, I want to remind you again of two things, and that is um, we talked about the power of the table being available to you for free during this confinement at home. Please go to my website, our website, Modern Homemakers' website, and look up The Power of the Table. It's a wonderful piece of material. It's very visual. It is not only the theology, but the sociology and the psychology of why it's important to eat together. And a lot of you are eating together, some of you, for the first time, three meals a day. And so I encourage you to take this opportunity to understand all the things that are accomplished when you when you meet together around the table. Maybe this is the week of breakfast to take the passages that we're talking about each day, which are the last seven statements that Jesus spoke on the cross. There's also a resource on our website, a free resource, which is called the Week of Weeks, and it's a basket that we'd encourage you to put together And in the basket are symbols. There's a fig for the fig tree. There's a nail for the crucifixion. There are seven different symbols inside the basket that will lead you to listening to these seven statements on these seven days. Now, the statements don't line up with the days of the week. So there are really two sevens. There are the seven days from Palm Sunday through Easter, and then there are the seven statements um, spoken from the cross by Jesus. You know, I had a wonderful, wonderful aunt. I had two wonderful aunts in my life, my Aunt Pat and my Aunt Ruth. 
and both are now in heaven with the Lord. But my Aunt Pat used to say to me when I was a girl, God has a favorite number. I said, he does? She would say, yes, it's seven. And, and sometimes she'd tell me why, but most often she'd just say seven. And then she'd say, and God has his, has his favorite color. And I would be amazed at that. I would say, he does? Because there are so many colors. And she would say, yes, green. And then whenever we would be somewhere, and of course, we lived in the Midwest, which is very green, except in the winter. And she would say, see, green everywhere, God's favorite color. So I have no idea if that's God's favorite color, but it's a sweet reminder of these ants who helped me embrace ideas that were about God and about the week of weeks and about Easter. And then my mother's side of the family, the Easter foods we ate, which were lamb and rice and things that I feel certain were a part of the Passover meal during Jesus' life on earth. So there are three things I'd like to say to you today about the second statement, and it is, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. And that is found in Luke 23, verse 43. You know, I spent a lot of years Believing that had one idea only to it. And in the last years, I've come to see many ideas. So what I'd like to share with you are a few of those ideas. And I'd like to uh, offer you an opportunity to embrace three things. One, salvation, which is transformation daily. Transformation daily, not a one-time event. Not a one-time surrender, but an ongoing transformation daily. The second that I'd like you to embrace is that Jesus is listening. Jesus is listening to you. He loves you. He cares for you. I've said this on air many times, I'm sure. I can't imagine how many times I've said it in my lifetime but I have a precious friend. Her name is Joyce. She had five sons. Her last son had some special needs. And one day, Jonathan came marching into the kitchen when he was an adolescent and an early teenager. And he said, Mom, I have some bad news for you. She said, What is it, Jonathan? And he said, I'm Jesus' favorite. <laughs> Isn't that so delicious? And his implication was that Joyce was not. <laughs> and I want you to know that you are his favorite. And so am I. And he cares for you. And he listens to you. He hears your heart. He, he hears and understands your mind. He hears what you say to him. And the last thing I want you to embrace is today, today, this day, in the middle of the coronavirus, in the early part of the week of week, Holy Week, today we are in paradise. We are in paradise. Gerald Manley Hopkins, whose work was published 30 years after he died, he died when he was 49 years old, said, let him Easter in us be a day spring 
to the dimness in us. Let him Easter in us. I love that phrase. You know, Easter is really a nautical term. It's about steering our craft toward the east into the light. My husband's reading some historical novels right now that are all built around ships and sailing and masts and nautical terms. And Easter is a nautical term. You are steering your craft toward the east into the light. And I'd like us to think about Easter as we pause this week and think about the light of the world. During these not only set-apart days of Lent, these 40 days, but then these set-apart days of week a week, and not only that, these set-apart days of the virus quarantine, it is important that we recognize these days are set-apart for change. We practice a different set of awareness. I think that the virus has caused me to think of this so often. I'm fully aware of an entirely new set of things that I wasn't aware of before. I'm fully aware of the fact that there are shortages in the food stores. I'm fully aware that some of my neighbors who work in jobs that are paid by the hour have no income. And I'm fully aware that no matter how big their freezers are, that eventually they will be emptied. Manly reminds us of God's majesty and reminds us to think of his suffering. When we find some comprehension of his sacrifice and suffering, we can see his majesty. So, for a moment, salvation, transformation. At eight years old, I was transformed. I went to a Billy Graham crusade. At 16 years old, I was transformed in the basement of my church. Each day, I'm asking God for places to transform me. Second Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that we are being transformed from one glory to another glory, and quite regularly. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Transformation happens to us in every stage of our life. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time surrender. It's not a one-time change. My husband loves to quote Will Rogers. He says, Will Rogers said, everyone is in favor of progress, but no one likes change. Isn't that true of us? Jesus calls us to constant change. And here we are in the middle of this virus, in the middle of the week of weeks, and we are experiencing change like some of us have never experienced. If you did not hear the C.S. Lewis quote, I may have the put it up on the website for you, but Lewis reminds us that there have been many who have gone before us in the history of mankind who have suffered far worse than we are suffering during this virus. So let's talk about the scene a little bit here as Jesus is saying, today you will be with me in paradise. I told you that the city was swollen from 250,000 people to several million people. We talked about the fact that he had been paraded around, that he had been chosen to die and crucified over the murderer, Barabbas. The criminals, the robbers on either side of them, uh, are uh, in the same place that Christ is in. When I took one of my trips to the Holy Land, 
I went to, to what is called the hill, and I was stunned at what a small space it was. A small space. The perspectives we see in films and documentaries, even in documentaries about the city of Jerusalem, they give you sort of this vast expanse, and that he's up a whole big high hill, and the crosses are high on the hill. It's really not like that. It, it's quite a small space, and there's noise and mocking and shouting and soldiers and jeering and crying and wailing and looky sees. You know, the folks who chase fire trucks just to find out what's going on. There's gamblers and there's bystanders. Luke 23:35-38 talk about the bystanders. Where are the other mothers? Are they, they there watching their sons be brutally crucified? We have some record of the disciples and what they're doing. And Mary, the mother, is still yielding herself without understanding of what's going on. And the criminals are talking with one another in Luke 23, verses 39 through 41. They are talking about this Jesus. And he could save himself. And he could. And why isn't he? And if he is. Jesus is listening. Jesus is aware and he is listening. He is always listening. He was listening then and he is listening now. He is aware and he's listening and he is prepared to respond to us. We've already heard him say, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He has heard them speaking to his father. And then the criminal says, Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I just have goosebumps. I know that you are like I am, that you know and love people who have not even made one surrender to allow Christ to be Lord of their life. And I know that you pray for them as I do. But when I read this, I think of the hope that rises up within me. This was a murderer, a criminal on the cross. He admits to his own crimes. He is moments from death in a crucifixion, in an asphyxiation which can't be more painful. And suddenly he says, do you not see that this is the Messiah? And then he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knows this is the king. And he wants to be with this king in his kingdom. And I say to you, where is the kingdom of God? I think for a lot of us, we think the kingdom of God is something that is to come. That will be a kingdom of God, a new kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God has come to you. You have had a surrender of your own will and your own ways. When you are trying to follow after Jesus Christ and his ways, you are part of the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? It is the kingdom of God here on earth. This is paradise. This is paradise for us. This is what Lewis said, that we should be going about our praying and our working and our talking and our loving and our caring, even in the middle of this virus. Listening Jesus in the ruckus and confusion and noise and excruciating pain 
he is listening and he responds and he says today do not neglect so great a transformation today today jim elliott who's quite a quotable man he died a very young man as a martyr in ecuador and one of his notable quotes has been a model of mine for years for decades wherever you are be all there be all present wherever you are be all there it's not later the kingdom of god it is wherever you are right now in luke 23 42 43 reads then he said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus replies, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The light is on. We are the children of light. The criminal says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knows that he is king. He knows that this is where he wants to spend his entire future. Today. Will you receive his listening responses, whatever he is calling you to do? An unknown author who wrote in the 1300s the following, words are, are where we always start. We read, we reflect, we ponder, we think, and we pray. Words. Today, not yesterday or tomorrow, the events that led to the crucifixion, many of them were loud and noisy. But I know that what Christ is calling us to in this statement that he speaks to a stranger, to a stranger, the statement that many of us pray that those of our loved ones who have never said yes in any way to God's calling, to God's voice, to God's word, to how he has called us to be freed from the bondage of sin and slavery. I know that we pray that the change that happened to that criminal, one moment he was cursing the Messiah, and the next moment he knew that he was the Messiah and wanted to be in his kingdom this day. And Jesus' response from the cross, today, you will be with me in paradise. And I tell you, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, no matter how grievous they are, today you can be with Jesus in paradise. And for those of us who have walked in faith for years, don't forget that today is a paradise. There will be a new kingdom to come, but don't wait for that kingdom to enjoy the paradise of transformation and the listening Jesus who calls us to be in paradise with him today. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers, and I am delighted to be with you these days sharing the last seven statements spoken by Jesus from the cross. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of remembering that today we are in paradise.